Welcome to Soul Forum. I'm Dan Center. And I'm April Bell. And together we co-host a series of conversations and reflections that explore the unfolding search for that sense of soul. The way folks from all walks of life stumble into or construct or give shape to what they describe as their most authentic self or their spiritual sense of things or their own wisdom path. What I really love about this introductory series that we call In Search of Soul is the diverse ways in which the folks we interview describe how they awaken to all of this in their own lives. From the college student to the 87-year-old environmental activist, married couples, those in mid-career, every story and reflection opens up some new window in how we might all find our way into an experience of our own individual or collective soul. Episodes include my reflections on the conversations that integrate insights from poets and theologians, philosophers, and even my 35 years of experience working with all sorts of folks in search of a worthy spiritual path. And I am honored as the founder of a storytelling and wisdom keeping project to spend time with each of them to allow their life story to help give you a sense of how every moment of life can draw you into your own sense of soul. Soul. It's that integrative force that so many experience as a guiding principle or an orienting force in their lives. So give yourself a moment to journey a little deeper into the human experience. Welcome to Soul Form. In this episode, I'm talking to Candy, a passionate and committed social activist who supports causes that move us toward living in a world that works for everyone. She's a creative woman who's been running her own communications and marketing consultancy for over 30 years now. What I found most inspiring in my conversation with her is her incredible resilience in the face of the challenges life has thrown her way. With each experience, she has embodied true grace and chosen growth, expansion, and love above all else, consistently leading a heart-centered life. I hope you too will be inspired by her unique and intuitively guided path. Yeah, Candy, thank you for having me here today. Uh-huh. I'm really excited to talk to you. You know, last week you talked to Dan about, you know, some aspects of your life and your journey up until now. What I what I really heard in the conversation was, you know, you're a person that you lead with your heart. You're leading a heart-centered life mm-hmm. and march to the beat of your own drummer. But I wonder, like, was there ever a time in your young life where you felt guided or supported or, I mean, did you just do what you do or did you feel like that there was something helping guide you along the way? Well, actually, I don't know that I was guided that much along the way. Um, My dad was a blacksmith and he had a shop on the property. He was also a farmer, but he was literally not there. He would leave before we got up in the morning And sometimes he'd come home at night after we were in bed. So I knew like his values. I knew how he thought. I knew he wanted us to go to church. I knew certain things. Um, But it wasn't like I was really guided otherwise by that, like on a day-to-day thing. Um, My mom went back to school part-time and substitute taught and was a piano teacher And that started, she did that for 11 and a half years, and that started when I was age seven. 
So we were really, as kids, mm -hmm. on you know a farm on a mile-long road, we were left to our own devices mm -hmm. a lot. Mm -hmm. Like in these days, in um, communities like this, Child Protective Services probably would have been called. <laughs> you know, but mm -hmm. I would first think, okay, could I say I was guided by my parents? Well, I was by their values, um, but not not always shaped in how I thought. Mm -hmm. And I was left to figure things out for myself mm -hmm. a lot. Mm -hmm. And I, I don't regret that, but it is a very different start, I think, mm -hmm. really young. Right. Um, well, and then over the course of your young life, growing up in a traditional Christian household, mm -hmm. as a girl, you made some unusual choices for the time. You left your Christian college. Mm -hmm. You chose to get a divorce when, from what I heard, that that wasn't exactly popular in your family and probably I'm not the, popular in your community. I'm the only one who has ever done that in my family. Mm -hmm. And then and then also like deciding to move. And deciding to start my business, which I would classify in that whole category of things because they weren't always logic centered they were heart centered mm -hmm. what you were talking about mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. for myself how i define you know that knowing is following my intuition what's your view on intuition what role does that play for you in your life <laughs> big <laughs> um it's huge. It's, um, and I think it's even stronger, like since my dad died, mm -hmm. because when my dad died, I, the lesson or the meaning I took from that was that I wasn't going to go through anything in my life asking the question, what if anymore, I was going to say it, do it, whatever it was. And so I think my intuition got stronger. Mm -hmm. Um, what was the what if question that you had when your dad passed? What if? Oh, it wasn't anything specific. It was okay. me not dying and having those questions left of what if I had done this? What if I had tried this? What if I had said this? Mm -hmm. And I didn't want those opportunities to pass. Mm -hmm. I wanted to act on them. Mm -hmm. um, instead of, it, I was... I don't think I would ever describe myself as meek, but I am introverted. Mm -hmm. um, and it, you know, it could be something as simple as, you know, telling somebody like you, oh, I love your necklace, mm -hmm. you know, or complimenting someone that I don't know um, in the grocery line. Or mm -hmm. if I get a sense about someone, picking up the phone and calling them. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Because something is going on and I trust it. Mm -hmm. I trust that that's what it is. Mm -hmm. So I think it's it's been there because I think I've had to rely on it from being a kid, but I think it got stronger. Mm -hmm. And my belief in it got stronger mm -hmm. in terms of it influencing my choices. Mm -hmm. How do you feel that your intuition you know, sort of feeds your experience of your life? How, does it provide you 
you know, opportunities for joy in your daily life? Like, how does that, how does it serve you? How do you let it serve you? The first thing I think of when you ask that is about um, the connection and the closeness with people, mm-hmm. about the relationships. Um, because I think when you, when I really listen, um, I'm good at hearing what's beyond, behind the words, mm-hmm. or when somebody pauses or stops, that there's something more. And if they're comfortable with me and I ask the question, then it comes out. Mm-hmm. Um, it actually serves me really well in work, too. Mm-hmm. And I think there have been projects that I have been on um, with other people that I think part of my value was to be there and hear what was or wasn't being said or to look around the room and take more in than anybody else was and make notes on it so that when the the person you know that I was working with would talk about something I'd say but did you see this did you see this or did you hear this you know to kind of put the whole picture together um, and that has a, a big value in um, getting to the truth mm-hmm. so you're kind of something. able to see the big picture the bigger picture of things and articulate that mm-hmm. and you credit that to your yeah to my intuition and kind of developing that skill mm-hmm. and then know? so what are some of the ways that you've consciously developed it for yourself I'm not sure if I I have other than practice. Mm-hmm. You know, I think it's like real life practice. Yeah. Yeah. And then um have there been times when you didn't listen to it and you noticed intuition and being able to like have my own voice or know what's right for me um started very young. Um, and not only, you know, were my parents not around, um, there was also a childhood trauma involved. Um, and I went to my parents and I told them, and they didn't believe me, they believed the adult in the situation. And it was something that I kind of like, I carried with me and probably didn't talk about for 20 years. And when I um, found my voice and started talking about it, at some point, probably just in the last 10 years, um, maybe 15 with my family, I found out that I was not the only person that he tried things on. And that told me that I really needed to follow what I believed, whether it was intuition, reality, truth, regardless of what anybody else said. Mm-hmm. And, you know, the saying about um, meaning comes out of suffering. Mm-hmm. I think that was part of the meaning and the purpose of what I was supposed to learn in life. And it happened young enough that it um, 
imprinted on the rest of my life. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, and when it was validated, then it even that was um, strengthening me believing in what was right for me, what happened, you know, what happened to me, what truth was for me. Mm -hmm. I thought maybe by um, talking about it, it would take some of the power away that it had. Because, because it is truth. And in, in that day and age, nobody knew how to talk about that and nobody knew how to deal with it. Um, and we're in a different time now. And it has value for other people. What is the brief overview of, of your professional life when you started you know, doing your own thing. and I worked in the corporate world um, for 10 years and I started in Indianapolis and then I moved to Columbus, Ohio and I was progressively advancing in my career and by age 30 I was um, an internal communications manager for a national company which is you know a lot of people would look at it and say oh what you know what a great job, she's really going far and fast, you know, that kind of thing. Mm -hmm. I was learning a lot of um, leadership skills because I was a volunteer leader in a professional organization. So between my work and that, that organization, um, I learned a lot of the soft skills too, mm -hmm. besides, you know, my training was in journalism, my writing, marketing, communications, it's always been in the same um, field. Mm -hmm. And then um, when the company I was working with at the time was Chemlon, which actually was purchased by True Green, a lawn care company. Mm -hmm. And um, I was brought in to help merge the cultures. And Chemlon was going from this uh, family, you know, happy hour culture thing to up more of a corporation. Mm -hmm. And there was this melding of stuff that was going on. At the same time, they were looking at um, the dangers of herb herbicides, mm -hmm. things that they were using for lawn care. And um, so there were a couple really hot spots in that role of what I was to communicate. And at one point, um, management basically asked me to lie and put something in print to employees and I refused to do it. And that was a real turning point, you know? And in fact, I still remember that my boss said to me, you know, you just care too much. And I'm thinking, yeah, but it's about honesty. You don't, you hired me into this role, you know, and here I am trying to take a stand on what is right and you're telling me I'm wrong. And I was like, no. And, and it was, um, that role was not all it was, it sounds like and was cracked up to be. Do you know, everybody thought it was great and they were so proud of me, including my parents, my friends, everybody. Um, and I just did not fit at all. I was trying, just like in my marriage, I was trying to do all these things that I thought I was supposed to do. Um, so I quit. And I'm like, okay, now what am I going to do? And I um, took a weekend away, went to a cabin, you know, kind of like, and came back and said, oh, I'm going to start my company. 
start a company. And what I think I'll be doing, because I've worked in corporate, is I will go in and I'll be the extra hand. I'll be the, you know, somebody when they need, they have a big project and they need a little bit more help because I've done enough that I have this generalist experience. Mm -hmm. And so surely that'd be valuable. It didn't pan out to be that at all. I did some of that, um, but what it turned into and the people who needed those services were really people who had professional services to sell and their own small businesses Mm -hmm. didn't know how to create a presence for themselves, to brand themselves, or to communicate anything. And so then I'm like, okay, well, this must be the niche I'm supposed to be in. During all of that time, I was doing um, volunteer work, and I've always been a cause-oriented person. Mm -hmm. So then the marriage ends. I come out to California, and I felt so much different in California. You talk about things you can't put words Mm -hmm. to Mm -hmm. than in Indiana Mm -hmm. or Ohio. Mm -hmm. Um, I opened a pocket of the world that I had never experienced in terms of um, the diversity of people, food, and geography. It wasn't a logical decision to stay at all. Mm. Um, but a lot like starting the business, somehow I just knew it was the right thing. Mm-hmm. Oh, and part of the reason the marriage ended, actually, um, to be honest, is because he thought it was fine to let me try my own business. And that it was something I would try and get out of my system. And then I would go back to a real job making real money. So that was not a, not exactly a big boom to the See, relationship. It's not exactly supportive. No. <laughs> and he waited until I, had, uh, I was a year, year and a half into it to ever say that. So while he's saying to me things about supporting me and, you know, asking how things are going and, you know, because I had a good corporate job bringing in more money than he did at the time. And we had a certain lifestyle and he really liked that. He said he wasn't traditional, but he really was traditional. So this me doing my own thing was kind of undefined and he couldn't get his hands around it. And he really did just think it was going to be something flash in the pan. And I'd go back to what I'd been doing. What year was that that you started your business? 89. 89. Okay. Uh Mm-hmm. As I got going, I was working with a lot of people who had their own businesses, mm-hmm. but it was still pretty newish mm-hmm. and for women. I was going to say, in as particular. A woman, yeah, yeah. yeah. You know, in the first couple of years, I wasn't making that much money. It wasn't, mm-hmm. you know, mm-hmm. of course it wasn't lucrative. And yeah, I was putting out money for equipment. We built an office in the basement. So it was a lot of expenses mm-hmm. versus return. The more I got into it, the more I realized that this was me, Mm -hmm. even though I couldn't explain it to people. And if somebody didn't get that, they didn't get me. Mm -hmm. They really, you know. So you really got that he didn't get you. Yes. Mm -hmm. Yes. Mm -hmm. And what he wanted in that marriage was somebody who fit into this mold of how he thought it should be. And that was not me. Mm -hmm. He was a good guy. Mm -hmm. He just wanted a a traditional marriage and he wanted things to be the way he wanted them to be and he didn't want to allow me to grow or learn or discover myself in your 30s you're at that cusp again of trying to find myself Mm -hmm. and figure out who I was and what I believed in how I thought I should look how you know Mm -hmm. what should I be doing Mm -hmm. all of those things were up for 
you know, grabs. Because I had taken this traditional route in business and it had gotten me to the place that everybody thinks you're supposed to be. Mm-hmm. Didn't fit, didn't work. Now what? Mm-hmm. Kind of thing. Mm-hmm. So this is integrity, right? Like you leave your job based on integrity, mm-hmm. their lack, your possession of. And then also in your marriage, like being integral to... You know, my idea of a, a good relationship is you continue to grow together. Right. Did you did you and your husband have those conversations before you got married? I mean, did you know? I mean, you probably... How, you probably, how old were you when you got married? I was... What was I? 21, 22? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I was married for 14 years. I got married September out of college. But I had dated him throughout... Um, my college years for over three years but I don't remember at the time ever having those kinds of conversations like he and I share values yeah but that didn't mean we shared a view of what a good relationship would look like or what life would look like right going forward Mm -hmm. and I think sometimes the only way you discover that is to grow up Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, and I grew up and out of that relationship mm-hmm. and moved out to California in 94. Mm-hmm. And I think that actually where my intuition came in during that time was because I got to the place where I said, okay, what is my definition of success? Mm-hmm. You know, part of when I started the business, part of what I also wanted was some kind of balance of work and life. Mm-hmm. And that was really important to me. I don't even remember how I started to define success differently, mm-hmm. but I realized that's what it was for me. In some spaces that you do consciously use your intuition to guide the way, like ask that question or make that call um, or bring up that thing in the meeting. That nobody that else no would talk is, about. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yep. And that in other ways... You know what your values are and you stick to those. And if it makes sense, it makes sense. You know, you can make a decision. And if it doesn't make sense, you're not going to do it just because everybody thinks you should. Right. But there's also the other piece of that is how it feels. I know how something feels or when something feels off. Mm -hmm. Um, Whether it's a neighbor that I don't quite trust, um, who's very kind and pleasant. I just know that there's something about that mm-hmm. and to to trust that, to believe it. Mm-hmm. Because if it's coming up for me viscerally, mm-hmm. yeah. Mm-hmm. So this is a callback to the teaching from the trauma. Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yep. Because that gave me a different capacity. Mm-hmm. Yeah, to recognize that. Mm-hmm. And um, I've been in situations where my intuition is different than everybody else's in that situation. I don't have to speak about it. I just have to know it. Mm-hmm. I don't need to argue about it. I don't need to announce it. Mm-hmm. I just know and I move on. Mm-hmm. You know, kind of going back to the difficulties or the tra- tra- tragedies that we can suffer in our lives that somehow that there's seems to be a gift mm-hmm. in the grief. Mm-hmm. If you just have the resilience to get to the other side of that experience, like there is a gift and a silver lining. Mm -hmm. And I think that if more people that are in suffering, you know, can just grab onto that hope 
that it might help them get to the other side. You know, you've experienced your fair share of grief mm-hmm. in life, what you kind of went through when your father passed away, of having to, you know, kind of look at him through different eyes, the, you know, betrayal and disappointment of your parents not believing you as a child, you know, marrying somebody that wasn't going to be forever after and having to, I mean, even though you chose to leave, like you still have to grieve mm-hmm. that life, moving, mm-hmm. exciting new life, but you'd left Leaving. something behind. Mm-hmm. And then I know that your life partner, mm-hmm. your second life partner also passed away in recent years. Mm-hmm. And then you also had a health challenge mm-hmm. during that time. Yep. So there's a lot of grief mm-hmm. in there. Besides the stuff that happened to me as a child, the first grief experience that I had was that my ex-husband's roommate killed himself. We were all in college. Mm -hmm. So it was um, my first suicide that I was close to. And then um, my partner's brother, a year before he died, before Rick died, um, his brother committed suicide. Wow. So, you know, like the years from... 2016 to now, each thing that happened, you know, I, I don't know, I look at so many things like, what is the lesson I'm learning through this? Mm-hmm. You know, part of it is about courage, part of it's about capacity, um, part of it's about having your heart broken open so much that you end up, you know, with cracks in it, but it's bigger. Yeah. You know, on the heels of Rick's death and a couple months later finding out that I had um, breast cancer and that it was in my lymph nodes and fighting that for six months. But coming out the other side of grief, you know, being so broken apart, everything for me with Rick of what I thought my life would look like, what my future would look like. And it's not, it, it's not necessarily the comforts, but the whole construct of what I was living in was blown to pieces. Mm-hmm. And now what? You have to figure out which of those pieces, I've had to figure out which of those are still me, how do I put them back, and how do I reconstruct a life that I enjoy, that honors the love that we had, that is real about the fact that it wasn't all butterflies and kisses, you know? Um, And come out of that and really just be standing on my own two legs more. Mm -hmm. Because if you don't, if I don't transform through the pain and through the grief, then shame on me. Mm-hmm. Well, why do you say that? You should learn. You should always, always be, you, you know, I can't stay stuck somewhere. I can't stay stuck in, uh, in emotion or I can feel them really strongly and I can be there for a while, you know, but as the saying goes, then I pick myself up, put my crown back on and walk off. You know, it's... Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Um, I do believe, I mean, I was listening to part of a, um, 
podcast. Hoda Copy is doing this podcast and asking people their North Star quotes, mm. the things that guide their lives. Mm-hmm. And um, she was talking to Leah Remini. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think it was uh, uh, from Frankel. If there's meaning in life, then there has to be meaning in suffering. Mm-hmm. And suffering can be grief. Mm-hmm. It can be cancer. It can be health issues. It can be family issues. Mm-hmm. But there's got to be some meaning, something that mm-hmm. I take away from that that makes me better than who I was yesterday. That's how I think about it. So you, you believe in the fundamental, that, that life fundamentally has meaning and purpose, that each experience will provide you with something. Yes, mm-hmm. yes. And, and a lot of times, what it feels like to me is I get closer to the truth. Mm-hmm. And what's the truth for you? of who I really am and what I need to be doing and what is my purpose for the rest of the time that I'm here. Mm-hmm. How can I make a bigger difference through the rest of my life? If there's meaning in life, there has to be meaning in suffering. I find such grace and courage in the ways Candy has chosen to respond to the traumas, tragedies, and suffering in her life. She is a bright light and a jubilant person to be around. She is a testament to the resilience of the human spirit and, in my mind, living proof that following one's own heart and inner guidance is a truly sacred path. She uses her experiences to assist her in holding up others through her social activism. Candy is fully aware that her trials and tribulations have expanded her capacity to be of service to others. Have you considered the ways your own difficulties and challenges have opened you to assisting the people in your life? What gifts have you uncovered? If you enjoyed this episode, it would mean the world to us if you would take a moment to subscribe. If you're listening on Apple Podcasts, leaving a five-star review would be tremendous. It truly helps us a lot in regard to being discovered by others. In our next episode, Dan reflects on his chat with Victoria, who grew up going to Catholic schools. As a Gen Xer, she's lost her zeal for the trappings of organized religion and yet continues to seek the impulse that may still beat within the origins and mystical experiences that rest under the trappings of religious life. I know this one is going to resonate with many. Until next time, thanks for joining us on Soul Forum. This episode of Soul Forum has been brought to you by Storycatcher for iPhone, a fun and simple tool that helps you create shareable keepsake video stories. Be the documentarian in your circles. Find Storycatcher, spelt as all one word, on the Apple App Store. You may attend Soul Forum Live each Sunday morning at Creekside Commons in Lafayette, California. The 30-minute presentation is also live-streamed via YouTube and Facebook where people interact via the chat. After the live stream is complete, for those gathering in person, we then enter into a non-recorded group discussion on the day's topic. We'd love for you to join us for Soul Forum.